Well, good day. I'm going to do something a little bit different. <clears throat> Yesterday, I spent some time with um, the mouse utopia experiment. And from that, today I wrote a little piece on, um, well, I can summarize it with uh, the one little, um, let's see here. Pardon me with that. Here is where I returned to the being uncomfortable as the ultimate state for the human creature. We either grow or we atrophy. So I looked into the mouse utopia experiment. I was showing this National Institute of Mental Health study, a long-term study, to give mice everything they'd want, no stress, no want. Were they happy? No. They stopped breeding, became what the doc called the beautifuls. I'm going to play a clip of his takeaway as it applies to the human creature. It's, it's powerful. These beautifuls gave up on all as he gave an example of a human tribe that had been moved and crowded in together lost all their humanity. The mice lost all want to take part in anything. They would just spend their days breeding. He posited 40 years ago, we had two possible outcomes as a human creature. A globalist tribalism without any evolution, trapped, or a slow decline, like the mice. Spoiler, they all died off. No matter what he did, not being uncomfortable led to an eventual decline. That's why he talks about ours might be postponed and might take a long, longer time. But he sees our, uh, our outcome of one of those two. I posit that we've already reached one, a globalist uh, uh, stagnation of thoughts and minds. What in Buddhism we'd call the Dharma ending age, not because, you know, it was the ending of the world, but because the world was so jaded or greedy or delusional or ignorant that it couldn't hear the teachings of self-awareness, of working on oneself and managing that. So I'll read to you what I wrote after the day with the mice and then thinking about what is best for what we need. And so I'll begin. <clears throat> they are only riddles to those without the insight to understand. We are already complete. We of perfected nature. Thus, we must get out of our own way to understand, not expect others to lead us. Like the finger pointing to the moon, it points to the path. It is not the path. As Nietzsche said, we would be gods if not for our baser nature. The gods are dead because we killed them. It was lack of faith. We created them 
these images in our of ourselves as the idea then we turned ourselves away from the ultimate as david goggins says how are you to know your true potential until you challenge your status quo and that wimp deep down inside keeping the beast down that true evolution from manifesting the true evolution from manifesting talk about this transformational doubt right we all live in ignorance the example can be uh the four minute mile it's an interesting story and he uses it as an example i like it more as the transformational power of doubt right you live in ignorance self-imposed self-imposed ignorance i use the four minute mile as example because for a very long time everybody modern science at the time and professional athletes believed that a human being was unable to break the four minute mile as an aside interestingly uh, there was a period of time where we thought that uh, the human uh, creature was unable to travel at speeds in excess of say 60 miles an hour and that like i don't know our skin might get ripped off or we just die because it was too fast so here again in the modern era we have an example that the four-minute mile could not be broken. And then here was this first gentleman who ignored these recommendations, failed time and again. Yet, either by delusion or by confidence or faith or doubt, he continued until he broke that barrier. He reached the four-minute mark and even broke it. Not by much, fractions of a second, but he was the first to do so. Where the story gets more interesting is within a year or so of his breaking this unbreakable feat, it was also broken by, and his feat was also surpassed by a number of other athletes. So the barrier wasn't human somatic experience, it was ourself that barrier and the tool to our greatest potential and so i'm reading some quotes of david goggins not because he's a great philosopher but because he's done exactly this he's realized that our greatest barrier is not our past is not our lot meaning you can grow up poor and it's true because i recently read a book about uh, how people lie and how we've used the internet and search engines and big data to figure out some of our oldest known uh, conceptions about uh, what drives us and our potential have been so wrong. Perhaps the most chilling conclusion from his Mouse City study, says Dr. Calhoun, is that once this change in social behavior occurs, it apparently cannot be reversed. It's this fact, fact of apparent irreversible phase shifts that gives some of us a particular concern over the fate of the human situation because we see uh, worldwide the breaking down of social roles, the increase in contact was the result of the breakdown of social roles because there are too many people, that this might lead to an overriding of our controls 
of our total culture and would be set into a process which would either fix us rigidly forever into some sort of global tribalism without any adaptation to change, uh, or that would result uh, perhaps eventually some decline very much like we've seen here, but that postponed somewhat. So that book, But Everybody Lies, found some connections, and they were looking at it. It was interesting. One example was, uh, what are the odds that someone growing up poor could become you know, wealthy versus people growing up wealthy? And they saw a connection between uh, being wealthy and, and in your youth and, and ending up wealthy in your adulthood. I think we're seeing maybe a possible connection. Now, if we were to separate where, of course, it takes money to make money, and we were to look strictly at the psychological side, right? even ignore any discrimination, if we were to try to look deeper into those numbers, I think we might find something as another example, maybe a little more common, uh, in a TV show we watch, which is a cooking show. What they have is they have very talented and well-respected chefs come on and they give these home cooks a challenge. I'll give you an example. Over the past few years, there's been a number of these examples where a chef comes in. Even recently, one chef spent uh, his pandemic lockdown perfecting this one dessert. But it's not uncommon. These chefs will come in and will show this astounding, astounding uh, dessert incredibly complicated could be 50 100 steps the idea is to challenge right <clears throat> but what we've ended up finding out is this year they've actually gone the other way and the challenges aren't quite so intense but i've seen two major things that i think even this show has missed in the examples where chefs brought in an incredibly seemingly impossible dessert to complete what ended up happening is the home cooks were able to near perfect in many cases this dessert now why is that surprising because any chef that's going to be awesome in fact the gentleman who talked about perfecting this dessert over the pandemic said exactly this that their first few renditions didn't turn out good at all and here we have home cooks almost perfecting a dessert. As well, I'll give an example. One chef said exactly this and went so far as to say that none of the chefs in his kitchen were able to do a dessert. Another chef said that the chefs, professional pastry chefs, had to put in more practice than these home cooks. Or as compared to what the home cooks, cooks were able to put up in a time-constrained challenge. So that's why I'll go on here. And uh, this is why the, um, the Mouse Utopia Project related to uh, Thus Spake Zarathustra Nietzsche's uh, I'll just say Nietzsche's uh, famous work and how it might relate to someone who's an ex-Navy SEAL. Uh, and interestingly enough, I was attracted more by 
this gentleman not only grew up in poverty, uh, he was black, uh, he was overweight, even ends up has a hole in his heart. But in spite of that, and what actually has destroyed many men, is he flunked out of uh, special forces. I, mean, I think it was SEALs he flunked out of twice. But don't, don't quote me on this because this has actually destroyed some men flunking out of ranger school or something like that because they'd spent their whole life thinking about right you need to be adaptive flexible that's that free energy or to go with the Tao. and here's a goggins that never accepted any limitation considered every challenge an opportunity to better himself and, you know just be better and so he went out and became a Navy SEAL and even became an airborne rescue. And, and what really impressed me, an extreme marathoner, 200 miles in the desert. I think that can be equated to that four-minute mile. You tell me 20 years, 30 years ago, before all this extreme marathoning and extreme sports came out, you tell me a scientist that would believe if they weren't, because I remember when I was young, there was a belief that it was genetic, that some of these extreme marathoners in the Olympics came from Africa because they were that's how they got around back in the day. I remember them talking about this. And of course, nowadays, that would be considered the height of racist uh, racism. But here we are, we're seeing individuals of every creed and color and stripe competing. And as I said, 200 miles in the desert. Who would have thought that would ever be possible? But as I said, I'm going to quote a couple, uh, a couple of gentlemen here, both Nietzsche and uh, David Goggins. I, I recommend them both, actually. And so I start with uh, Goggins. It's easier to accept the fact that you're just not good enough. We all have a lot more than they, we think we have. Suffering is a test. That's all it is. Suffering is the true test of life. Life is one big tug of war between mediocrity and trying to find your best self. I mean, that's where I go and talk about being uncomfortable because we either grow or reatrophy, right? You learn to be compassionate, and if you don't apply that, it, it will atrophy. When you do apply it, it becomes easier the next time. That chase towards the best self, right? The path. It's a journey, not a destination. I go on with another quote, possibly my favorite. The most important conversations you'll ever have are the ones you'll have with yourself. You wake up with them, you walk around with them, you go to bed with them, and eventually you act on them. Whether they be good or bad, we are all our own worst haters and doubters because self-doubt is a natural reaction to any bold attempt to change your life for the better. You can't stop it from blooming in your brain, but you can neutralize it and all the other external chatter by asking, what if? 
right? And as I said, this might be one of my favorites because it's that great doubt that I mentioned earlier. It's the what if. What if we are operating on failed assumptions, like the human creature cannot exceed 60 kilometers uh, an hour speed, land speed, or can't fly and break the, uh, the sound barrier, or can't go into space, break the four-minute mile, or duplicate a near impossible recipe with no practice. Faith is lost in the West. Not a faith in a God, faith in oneself, as Goggins and Nietzsche want to teach us. The missing piece is that doubt, that where ignorance is transformed into doubt, with faith in your path, whatever that may be, if guided by compassion and care, you can awaken knowledge, gnosis, understanding and liberation. That does begin with the self. The self is the greatest barrier and the greatest tool to this awareness, this awareness that releases us from our burdens. I'd like to quote some uh, Nietzsche because I feel he had a strong grasp on this as well. I teach you the Ubermensch. Man is something that shall be overcome. What have you done to overcome him? All beings so far have created something beyond themselves. And do you want to be the ebb of this great flood and even go back to the beasts rather than overcome man? What is the ape to man? A laughing stock or a painful embarrassment? And man shall be just that for the Ubermensch. A laughing stock or a painful embarrassment. Companions the Creator seeks, not corpses, not herds and believers. Fellow creators the Creator seeks, those who write new values on new tablets. Companions the Creator seeks, and fellow harvesters, for everything about him is ripe for the harvest. Fellow creators, Zarasutra seeks, fellow harvesters and fellow celebrants. What are herds and shepherds and corpses to him? I need pure, smooth mirrors for my teaching. Upon your surface, even my own reflection is distorted. Many a burden Many a memory weighs down your shoulders. Many an evil dwarf crouches in your corners. And there is a hidden mob in you, too. And although you are high and of a higher type, much in you is crooked and malformed. There is no smith in the world who could hammer you straight and into shape for me. You are only bridges. May higher men than you step across upon you. See, I dislike the common translation of the overman. I much prefer the superman or even just the ubermensch, knowing that uber means greater or above and mensch, man or human, to be better than what we give ourselves credit for. Surprise yourself with what you can do. You are the divine power. You're, you 
drive your destiny, and your choices impact the entirety of the universe. And that's what, uh, pretty much, I guess, what I wanted to share. I don't tend, uh, that's a lie, I do tend to negativity, of course, as we all do. Uh, but when it comes to Buddhism uh, and impermanence and the suffering of uh, the inherent dissatisfaction or suffering of our existence, none of that was negative to me, right? The impermanence of good and bad, right? So on that, I bid you adieu.